Every week, the Orange Fizz team breaks down the five most pressing questions about Syracuse athletics. Holy cow, what a big-time defensive play! No holds barred. I paid the fool. It's the Fizz Five. Five! Welcome into another Fizz Five. I'm Tyler Aiken, joined today by Ethan Frank. And Ethan, it was a rough week for Syracuse football. Yeah, uh, the football team is uh, is in disarray at this point. I would say, um, uh, I guess you know what two's a coincidence, three's a trend. Um, but I would I would say in this case two might be a trend, and uh, and I don't think that's a, an overreaction at all. This is a uh, this is bad, and things are probably going to get worse before they get better at this point. There's only one place to start, and that is the loss to North Carolina this weekend, and that brings us to topic number one. Number one. North Carolina took down Syracuse forty to seven and was dominant from start to finish, never trailed in the game, never looked back. But a lot of Syracuse fans are turning to a point early in that game as kind of what changed it, and that was a blocked punt that turned into a first down for North Carolina. Now, Ethan, you were there. Can you break down that play? Was that the turning point for you? Yeah, I, I mean, I was sitting in the stands. I was there um, uh, recreationally. I was not there working. Um, I was sitting in the... Far, let's say if you're looking at the uh, if you're watching on the TV broadcast, it was in the right end zone, um, in the far corner of the right end zone. Um, so the play happened on on that side of the field, but it was on the far sideline, so it didn't have the best view. But it was it looked pretty clear from every single angle that he was short, and from the videos we saw on Twitter, everyone I was in the Syracuse section. Everyone in the Syracuse section was everyone was saying, "I'm seeing on Twitter, I'm seeing on social media, he's short." Um, Gino Baber said he thought he was short. Um, and, you know, like, you can't blame the officials for for everything, but this is the kind of thing that gets people really upset, especially as a Syracuse fan, because it was pretty clear he was short, and then Dino Baber said the officials gave him mixed messages on what exactly the, the call was going to be. So that's really frustrating if you're a Syracuse fan, but... I know it's demoralizing, but you just have to shake it off. And it felt like after North Carolina went down and scored a touchdown, it was only 3 nothing. Then it was 10 nothing. The game was over. It, it, it was an awful call. I'm totally with you there. Uh, but kind of like you're re- referring to here, any Syracuse fan that wants to blame that as the reason Syracuse lost the game, I, I'm hesitant to even call it a, a turning point because – you just have to have a backbone. If you're going to play football, you have to be – that has to make you angry. That has to make you go out there and want to beat North Carolina even more on the next play. And it just seemed like it sucked the air out of every single player. Yeah, it's it's like the, Garrett Trader talked about it after the Clemson is we have to come out ready to play. And Syracuse, once again, did not come out ready to play. I mean, the most curious thing to me was Dino Babers talks about how often he likes to win the coin toss and take the ball. And what did Syracuse do in this game? They won the coin toss and they deferred to the second half. Why? Why are you deferring if you claim to be this guy who wants the ball and needs to get your team started early and then you don't get started early what went into that decision making and Garrett Schrader put a lot of the blame on the offense Dino Babers put a lot of blame on the offense um the defense didn't play very well either I thought Rocky Long's game plan was was not very good there were multiple times where on third down they were playing soft coverage on like third and short and 
Drake May would just find the holes in the zone and get an easy first down. And then on first down, they'd play press man coverage and he'd beat you over the top with his tight end or his wide receivers. So I thought the game plan was was wrong. And the offense just once again coming out flat uh, is unacceptable because this is something they said after Clemson we can't do. And they went out and did it again. And it has people asking the question, you know, is football even worth watching anymore? You know, it, it's tough because Schrader came into this game and he was pretty accurate. He was through, completed about 75% of his passes, but they're all short. He picked up 124 yards, no touchdown, yeah, no, an interception. Yeah. It was there was a, nothing exciting in nothing, this game. Nothing exciting in this game. Syracuse said it wanted to, you know, address uh, the rushing game and try to force that on early. Didn't really happen. North Carolina Out- outgained Syracuse by over 400 yards. Uh, it was They had 400 yards in the first half alone. Drake made, yeah, Drake made through for 442 yards and three touchdowns and then rushed for another 55 and a score. Yeah, so the, the defense, the, honestly, this is the first week that the defense really disappointed me because last week against Clemson, I was very much on the train of, Syracuse turned the ball over three times, and they all turned into scores. They were put in bad field field positions. I, I was not too upset with the defense against Clemson. This week, the defense looked completely flat, and this is one of the weeks where the the depth has become an issue. And, you know, it's really disappointing that Syracuse no longer has a deuce chestnut or has a Jihad Carter uh, or has I, a ge- but gear. Like, but I, I guess, like, the thing with that is, though, like, depth is good, but you look at what happened last year, yeah, these players were good at the beginning of the season, but then everything fell apart towards the end of the season. So I don't know how much of a difference they're making because Deuce Chestnut is not even playing football at LSU right now. Jihad Carter has barely played at Ohio State, so maybe it's a, you know, they maybe they shouldn't have transferred at all. Yeah. But I, I don't know if you can say, oh, this team is not good because the transfer is left. But just going back to to the point of this game. Like, people talk, people I talk to, people on social media will say all the time, like, why does Syracuse not get better home crowds at big games? This is the reason why. Because Syracuse fans are, are realists. They're, they're not optimists when it comes to the football team because that's what the program has given them over the past 25 years. And... This is just another, uh, you know, slap in the face of reality that Syracuse is nowhere near competitive at the top of the ACC and at best is a mediocre team in the conference. I I will say, though, it starts to feel like it turns into pessimism rather than realism at times because if you looked at the schedule before the season, most people would mark down Clemson, North Carolina, and Florida State as losses. And now two of them have been losses. And some fans they, are losing their right, minds. But they're not even competitive losses is the problem. If they were competitive losses, then I think it would be different. But these have been two very uncompetitive games. Uh, extremely uncompetitive games. But North Carolina right now is probably a top 10 team in the country. And so I un- like I understand that there's probably some reason for concern. There is reason for concern. This team is not great. But if you- if the four- first four wins of the season made you think that it was going to be a win over North Carolina. Like, I don't know what to tell you. I think those expectations might have been a little too high. No, but th- this team didn't get tested at all in the first two games. Correct. Army is bad. Uh, they lost at home to Boston College this past week. Purdue is bad, just lost to Iowa. Uh, got drummed by Wisconsin at home. And Wisconsin's fine. I mean, they beat Illinois, but Illinois is also terrible. Like, Purdue is bad. Army is bad. Like This team did not face a real football team until they played Clemson, um, and, and that's hurting them right now. 
It, it's absolutely hurting them. I want to get back to the depth point we were talking about before, and that brings us to topic number two. Number two. At Dino Baber's press conference on Monday, he said, It's the same old thing. Depth is gone. Depth is in the transfer portal. You know how many guys we lost, and you know what schools they play at. Schools like us, we're not going to have a lot of depth because it gets bought away. Now, th- those last few words really hammer at home. The talent gets bought away. What, w- what was your reaction to reading that he had said that? I mean, I was so interested in what he said that I wrote an article about it on theorangefizz.com <laughs> this morning. Uh, you can check that out. But it-, it just sounds like an excuse. And to me, the blame goes on Dino. Well, one, Dino, I mean, you have to look yourself in the mirror because you're the person recruiting players and talent to this university. And if your message isn't buying in enough that players don't want to stay at the program, then that is an indictment on you. Um, it's also an indictment on the entire athletic department as a whole because they haven't done enough in the NIL space to convince players not to transfer if they have a good season. And then it also goes back to the coaching staff is if you know guys are going to leave and guys are going to get quote-unquote bought from you, then you need to go find guys to either buy or recruit to play for your program yourself. Syracuse's recruiting in the transfer portal and the high school ranks, frankly, has flat out not been good enough. And that is why the Orange are losing more players than they are gaining in terms of talent. And and that issue is not going to stop until NIL is up to speed. And yes, they're redoing the, the, the new Lally Athletic Complex will be great for football. But that isn't the case right now. And it's a reason why Syracuse is losing talent and depth. But the main perpetrator of that issue is probably Dino Babers. See, I, I don't know if it is because later later on in the press conference he said FSU has gotten be- Florida State has gotten better because they do NIL right. And he was then asked if SU does it right, and he said, We're not gonna talk about that stuff. So to so me, that's, so to that's, me that, that is his way of saying no. To me that says he wants to. He wants to be aggressive, but maybe there's someone in the athletic department that's stopping him from doing that. It did not seem like he was the one that didn't want to be using NIL. It, you can only do so much as the coach. I think at some point there are people above him that make decisions, and it seems like he's disagreeing with those decisions right now. I don't know if he's disagreeing. I think he's just saying that the athletic department just hasn't done enough at this point, which is true. I know they launched Orange United, but that was what? two weeks ago, three yeah. weeks ago, is a, a very new thing, and it's very clear. I mean, you had former players chiming in on Twitter, Michael Jones, Josh Black, saying Syracuse has plenty of resources, they could have done this. Michael Jones was the guy that spoke up last year about needing a nutritionist. How Was there not a nutritionist on, on staff within the entire athletic department or just for football? That is the reasons that Syracuse is a, a lower-class program in the Power 5, or I guess Power 4 at the moment, but... It's just a continuing of issues that have haunted the program for a while, and Babers definitely deserves some of the blame, um, but a lot of it goes on John Wildtack and the athletic department as well. I I agree. It has to go uh, above Babers, um, but you are right. He definitely deserves some sort of blame because you're the face of the football team. People are coming to you when you recruit them, and you get to make the decisions on who you target, and... You know, it doesn't really see I, – I mean, obviously we're on the outside looking in. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But it seems like Syracuse has almost relegated itself to targeting three-star players instead of going after a bunch of four-star players and just seeing what happens. I, You have to be realistic with your recruiting if you're Syracuse because you're not going to be able to get those, those higher four-star class players. But – 
if you're Dino Babers, I, you know, I appreciate him speaking candidly because every press conference is usually just a bunch of cliches and a bunch of coach speak where you really don't get any information. This was actually insightful, but it was an excuse. And, you know, ex- I, I can't, I, like, it's, it's frustrating to hear him make excuses for a problem that is partly because of his own doing. It, it, it is frustrating. I, I will say, just like you, I do appreciate this is the most honest I've ever heard yeah. Dino Babers in my life, which it is awesome that he's kind of getting to that point. However, it, it's an excuse. It's pointing out something that, you know, he's partly responsible for. And so it, it, it's a tough situation for Syracuse football because, like you said, there's there's a cap. There's only so good you can be while trying to recruit out of – you know, upstate New York. that You kind of have a cap on which players you can go for, um, which is another excuse, but I'm Dino Babers, so it's not an excuse if I, if I point it out. Right. Uh, it, it's just, I mean, the, the title, I, like, it just sounds like excuses, and and that's the thing is, I mean, what are you going to do besides make excuses? Like, I, I feel like Dino's probably been sitting on this for a while, and this was just the time he could let it out. I mean, it was only a 10-second con- – like, it was it was two sentences, what he said, but his message was loud and clear. And uh, we'll see uh, – you know, he complimented Florida State, and obviously Florida State has a much different brand than Syracuse. But uh, we'll see if anything changes because of it. And that will bring us to another sport, another two sports, actually, men's basketball and women's basketball. We'll break down how the season is kind of starting in a way with topic number three. Number three. This Friday, Orange Tip-Off is starting the Syracuse men's and women's basketball season. It's kind of like what Midnight Madness used to be a few years ago. The There will be some scrimmages, I think a dunk contest, a three-point contest. So finally, the season's starting to get underway, and fans can maybe start turning their attention to basketball, especially with the football season going so poorly. Yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, I was sitting, I was at the game with my family, and my uh, uh, in the second quarter, my you know, my dad said the, the the question, "When does basketball start?" And I think that's probably what a lot of Syracuse fans are thinking of right now. It's the sport they care about the most. It's the sport they're the most passionate about. And this is a team and a program that has a lot of excitement under new head coach Adrian Autry, especially on the men's side, and then on the women's side with Felicia Leggett Jack. This is a team that barely missed the NCAA. NCAA tournament last year, and I'd say it's probably expected they get to the NCAA tournament this year. So I'm really excited for the women's team and seeing what DeAsia Fair can do in her second year in the program. On the men's side, I'm all eyes on the guards for me, uh, Judah and JJ. Uh, that would be Judah Mintz and JJ Starling. How are they going to play with each other? Because the question is, can they play together despite both of them not being prolific shooters? And what will the spacing be like on the perimeter for the Orange? I'm, I'm keen to see how, uh, how, how that pairing works in the backcourt. Especially because both of them have been used to dominating the ball. Both of them succeed when they have the opportunity to drive. They're not catch-and-shoot type of players, so... You're really running a system with two point guards now. Both of them have a little bit of height. Both of them, honestly, this this backcourt is made to play zone defense, which is too bad that this is finally the year that it looks well, like Syracuse will be also switching be, it up. They could also be made to play man-to-man defense. Uh, they could also— It would be—yes, you, but you're right. It would be a good top of the zone for— um, for, for, for It would be a good top of the zone in terms of the length you have at guard. And, and But speaking of, like— 
you know, who's going to play guard, who's go- how's the chemistry going to work there. Chance Westry, the, the transfer, is also a good guard, and he might be, I've heard some talk that he might be forced to play as a three, as a wing, and so you're kind of forcing a lot of really good lead guards to spread out throughout the offense, and that I guess that's my one concern is you brought in a lot of talent, which is awesome, but you're not letting them shine in the positions that they've done well, for their, their entire career. Well, I think you have to look at Syracuse's um, players as in three ways. They're a guard, they're a wing, or or they're a big. And I like you can do like guard, forward, center. Like I, I eliminate that. Mm-hmm. Players who can play guard or players who can play on the wing. Chance Westry can do both of those things. And JJ Starling can do both of those things. And it's really good Justin Taylor can do both of those things. Quieter Copeland can do both those things. It's really good to have players with versatility. And that's what Adrian Autry is going for in this roster. I think Benny Williams could be a wing. I think Benny Williams could be a big at 6'9". Um, he doesn't well, play like big that's if, for sure. Well, it depends on how he wants to play or how Adrian Autram is going to get him to buy into play. And I think Adrian Autry is good for Benny Williams because that's the guy that's developed and recruited and, and nurtured a relationship with him. Malik Brown as a small ball five, I think, could be a really interesting role for him um, and is someone who seems to have you know improved his body from his freshman to his sophomore year to better handle ACC big men. I think the versatility of this roster is going to to be on display, especially on Friday, and it's going to be a much more athletic group than we've seen in years past. Absolutely going to be more athletic. I'm glad you bring up the the Malik Brown at at center comment because I've heard some people say, oh, in the AC, he can't play center in the ACC. He's not big enough to play center against those good schools. Why not? Marek Dolajai, who's 180 pounds soaking wet, played center and had to guard Zion Williams in the ACC. And you're telling me, you're telling me that Malik Brown can't handle some of the bigger guys in the ACC? Like, it's not ideal, but it helps Syracuse be able to move fast, have that ability to be quick. And that's a missing aspect from this game, the fast break. I have not seen the fast break the past few years. No, and getting out and running in transition is going to be a, a key for Syracuse if it wants to be successful. We saw how, how good Judah Mintz is at getting out and transitioning and finishing at the basket or drawing contact and getting to the free throw line. That's one of his most prolific traits is, uh, is uh, playmaking and drawing contact. It's going to be very, very fun to watch, and I think Friday will, you know, we won't see much, we won't learn a lot, but it'll definitely be good to see these guys play for the first time. Because you know, unlike professional sports, college, there's a this is a long off season. We haven't seen this team play since early March, and now it's what so seven months ago. It's been a long time, uh, but now they're going to be in our lives a lot. Going to be in our lives uh, our lot a lot as well. Uh, moving on to the the women's team, I think the biggest thing I was surprised about was that Deja Fair is coming back to this team. I mean, she has no reason not to, but that is such a game-changer to have an All-American point guard back on the team. There's simply no excuse to not make March Madness, to not make the NCAA tournament when you've got Fair on the roster. Yeah, and I think Coach Leggett Jack does a great job of getting her players to buy in on the roster. I think this is a year Kennedy Perkins is going to step up into a huge role alongside Deja Fair. You know, uh, Tisha Hyman, no longer with the program, uh, decided to take her talents elsewhere. So that means it's it's Deja Fair, it's Georgia Woolley, it's Kennedy Perkins. Those are the three perimeter players I'm looking at as as those who are going to have a big impact. Obviously, you have Elena Wright 
Price as you know the experienced veteran, like the pretty much the the last remaining member of the uh, the Quinton Hillsman era huh. with uh, with Syracuse women's basketball. But if you're Coach Leggett Jack, you've completely changed the program, you've changed the culture, and I think this is the year where Syracuse becomes a force in the ACC because uh, it all starts with the head coach and then is percolating through the program. Percolating through the pro that's that's a good word. Percolating. I thought you were gonna try to make a percolating Perkins pun there. No. Didn't go for it. That is okay. So we've got we've hit football, we've hit soccer. We're gonna go back to football on the pitch. We're gonna talk about men's soccer right after this. Number four. Syracuse men's soccer just pulled off its first top twenty-five win of the season over the weekend. A 1-0 win over number 13 North Carolina in Chapel Hill. That was by far the best performance of the season for Syracuse men's soccer. Yeah, it's been an interesting time for the soccer team. Uh, a, a lot of turnover from last year's national champions. Um, but you have Giorgio Kachevsky, Lorenzo Baselli leading the way as your your foremost attacking players. Um, but there have been a lot of guys in on the action. Nicholas Kalukian, someone who's who's had a huge impact. And Ian McIntyre just last week made a goalie change. He's starting Jaheim Wickham in goal. Um, Jason Smith is, is out as, as the number one. And Wickham has put up two clean sheets in his first two starts both 1-0 wins first over Colgate at home last week and then that game against North Carolina and you mentioned Tyler a huge couple of key saves in the second half against the Heels he had four in total and he's been a really good shot stopper and he's he's clearly made a difference um in net for the Orange Booster Schoberg had the only goal on a, a off a corner kick from Kachevsky his eighth assist of the season he's been really really good um, and the Orange just have, have momentum right now. Fell all the way down to number 18 in the polls after losing to Duke a couple of weeks ago. But then go on the road and beat a ranked conference opponent that was higher than you in the rankings. So would expect to see them move back up a little bit from, from that number 18 spot. But this midweek non-conference game, this is a Temple team that Syracuse uh, should probably beat pretty handily. Um, but then you have tests coming up with, with Clemson, NC State, and, and BC still in conference that you need to beat those teams if you want to have good positioning uh, in the ACC championship. Uh, the ACC is so strong in men's soccer that every single matchup of those counts, and it also gives some importance to these non-conference breaks, if you will, a game against Temple, a game against Yale. These should be opportunities where you can try different things, you can mix things up, uh, and not feel the pressure because you're going to be in the pressure cooker against Clemson. You're going to be in the pressure cooker against Boston College on the road to end this season. And the win against North Carolina, it was so big because if Syracuse lost that, Syracuse would probably go unranked after winning the national championship last year. And understand that I think 15 players that were on that roster last year have either transferred away or been given opportunities in the pros However, Syracuse brought in a lot of talent, so there really is no excuse for this team not to be ranked, and I'm glad the team finally flexed its muscles against UNC. Yeah, it, it's a, it was a big-time win. Syracuse still has not lost at home yet this season, which is a, a good thing going into tonight's game. Today we're recording this on Tuesday, into tonight's game against Temple. But getting that road win, you had just lost to Duke down in North Carolina 5-3, to three, um, and that was kind of the breaking point for, for the defense. And it, it just felt like a lot of things had built up to that point. You, you, had been, you lost to Cornell away. Um, you had drawn Louisville and, and Wake Forest, two tough conference opponents. 
getting that win against North Carolina does so much for Ian McIntyre and his program. It feels like this is a group that's still trying is trying to find itself still here as we enter October, and with only you know a handful of games remaining, there's minimal time to do it. But now it seems like they're finally hitting their stride in terms uh, of knowing what they are and what kind of team they are. Obviously, you'd like to win games you know more than one nil because of the stress that it, it puts on your defense, especially two goals coming early in the first half, and then having to hold a lead for. I don't know, two-thirds, three-quarters of the match. So if you're Syracuse, you want to do a better job of you know getting up to two- or three-goal lead to ease the pressure on your defense. We've just had a lot of stress the past few matches. A lot of stress the past few matches. That probably exists for Syracuse football, too. A lot of stress recently. But now it's time to look ahead to the matchup with Florida State in topic number five. Number five. Syracuse football takes a trip down to Tallahassee to take on the number four team in the country, Florida State. It really doesn't get any easier on this on this road trip, Ethan. No, it, it doesn't. I will be there uh, reporting for uh, for our sister station, WAER. <laughs> um, but, you know, I will have a good traveling party there um, to watch Syracuse probably lose by 30 points again. Um, I don't think that is a that's a hot take at all. Um, you know, my dad texted me last week. He said, I want to put the over-under for how many, how much Syracuse loses these next two games by at 60. And I said, you're crazy. I think that's a little too high. Um, but Syracuse just lost by 33 to North Carolina. If you told me they lost by 27 or 30 to Florida State, would you be surprised? No, I, I wouldn't be surprised one bit. I mean, Florida State has played some weirdly close games. They just barely beat Boston College a few weeks ago. But this is a very strong, strong Seminoles team. A very talented quarterback in Jordan Travis who now, – now here's what's interesting. Uh, Dino Babers on Monday said that Jordan Travis is an even better quarterback than Drake May. And Dino, I don't agree with you on that one. Drake May is going to be the second – le- probably the second overall pick in the NFL draft. I don't. Jordan Travis has been in college for, what, six years? Uh, I think so. A long time. It's been, been, it's been a while. It's been in college for a long time. I don't think so, Dino. Here, Tyler, I'd like to play a game. It's called uh, it's called Predict the Spread. Uh, unless you've seen it already. I have not seen this. Okay, right what do you think the spread is? Syracuse at number four, Florida State. 16 and a half? It's 17 and a half. How about that? Very nice guess. Um, so, Florida State favored by... What two touchdowns and a field goal, which is cool. Um, North Not Carol- gonna happen, yeah, but North- it's cool. North Carolina was only favored by um, by nine and a half last week. Let's see, you know, why don't, while we're here, let's see how uh, our prediction, the crystal ball, did last week. I'd be shocked if anybody picked Syracuse to win. You didn't pick Syracuse. No, to win, I did not. Did you? I'm not that much of a homer, Ethan. Okay, just wanted to make sure. Um, Francesco, who's three and zero, picked Syracuse. Uh, Pick North Carolina win, but Syracuse to cover. That was incorrect. Adam, who who is four and zero, he picked North Carolina to win by twenty. Uh, Liam picked North Carolina to win by fourteen. I picked North Carolina to win by eighteen. Tyler, you picked North Carolina to win by eleven. So everyone picked North Carolina to win, yes. which is good. Um, nobody was close to thirty. Nobody nobody predicted a, a thirty three point blowout though. I have a feeling that someone might predict a thirty three point blowout this week, and that someone might be me. <laughs> 33? Now, do you think Syracuse puts up a little bit more of a fight offensively this week? Or are you just saying Florida State is going to shut them down? It's 33-0. Uh, it's hard because 
it's either I, this could go one or two ways, and it it's either going to be Syracuse is super competitive and then loses a close game, or they're going to get their absolute doors blown off. I, I think there's no in between. I don't think it's like oh you know they kind of hung around but they lost by by thirteen or they lost by seventeen. I think it's either they lose by thirty or they lose by four. I, and I really don't think there's any in between in this game. I, it would be great if it was four. I mean, it, it seems like every year Syracuse is due, no matter how good Syracuse is, just to like hang around with right. somebody I th- good. Right. I think the question is: Was last week rock bottom, or is this week going to be rock bottom? I. I think I think last week might have been rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Simply just no, that doesn't mean Syracuse is going to win. But to get Dino Babers being the most honest he's ever been in a press conference, like he just he was acting different. I, that to me that to me indicates that there has been something significant that's happened to the team. I would certainly hope, as many Syracuse fans, I, we would hope that that was rock bottom. Um, but it could get worse. It's not to say that it couldn't get worse because it absolutely could. It definitely could. Uh, and we saw it last year. We thought it was bad after Notre Dame. We thought it was bad after Pitt, and then Florida State happened. Um, so will Florida State be that? Will Florida State be the the rock bottom again after it was last year? I mean, it's definitely possible. They weren't as good last year as they are this year and this game is on the road so I could see it but it could also be the kind of out of nowhere super competitive performance from Syracuse uh I'll have to think about it but I think it could go either way it, it could be I I do think Syracuse is more prone to those games at home not to say it doesn't happen on the road but Dino Babers is not particularly a great coach uh when he has to go outside of Syracuse and that is a, a tough stadium to play in. He, he started his press conference on Monday with the exact capacity. He said 79,560 seats. Like, he, he, he knew that number by heart. And how many of those fans do you think will be wearing orange? Uh, not mm, 25 to 100, probably however many is allocated to the team, and that's about it. It'll be a very, very small contingent of Syracuse fans in the Dome. Yeah, uh, looking at the weather for Saturday, I've heard I've heard some reports of uh, of some potential activity with the weather. Uh, let's let's take a look at the daily forecast. Um, Saturday, it says it's going to be 88 degrees um, and potentially uh, a thunderstorm or two, but it is going to be a hot one in Tallahassee. Going to feel like 95 degrees. I don't know if that's good or bad for Syracuse, considering they're used to playing in uh, a, a controlled environment in a dome. Um, the weather was pristine in Chapel Hill. It was like high 60s and perfectly sunny. Just absolutely ideal weather, no matter what you're doing. Um, and we saw Syracuse lay an egg. I feel like in a a hum a humid Florida environment, that could be bad. I, I cannot see how eighty eight degrees helps Syracuse at no. all because Florida State practices all summer in that type of heat. Syracuse absolutely does not, and we've talked about depth issues. There's not many guys that ride the bench for Syracuse that I'd feel comfortable throwing in there while a starter takes a breather. Exactly. So. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not confident. You know, looking at that weather forecast, that has me leaning towards the blowout versus the close game. A blowout. We will see what happens. That's on Friday for full coverage of the game. Make sure to follow at Orange Fizz on social media on X uh, for live updates for post game coverage. We'll 
hit up that spaces and give you some post-game analysis as well. And, of course, make sure to check out orangefizz.net if you want updates beforehand as well as our predictions. I, I've not, I've yet to make mine, Ethan. You do have a score in mind yet, or are we going to let, let, let people wait? I'll, we'll, we'll let people wait. Be sure to check out our crystal ball, crystal ball on Friday. And so with that, we end it right here. Another Fizz 5 in the books. And that's your Fizz 5. Listen next week. Subscribe, rate, and review. This has been an Orange Fizz production.